0: Welcome to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. This podcast tackles the hottest topics for the European accountancy profession. Get your need-to-know update from Brussels. In this episode, we'll be delving into the heart of the accountancy profession. We're tackling both auditing and corporate reporting. Don't turn off the podcast now because I'm determined to show you that these are exciting areas and that both are evolving alongside the major societal shift towards a green and digital future. But how? In audit, we see that the European Commission has an ongoing review on audit reform. The Netherlands and the UK are also pursuing audit reforms. We see that there have also been corporate failures which may have been avoided. There is an intense spotlight being focused here, but what is the profession doing to meet these challenges and how can regulators best enable them to do so to avoid such scandals in the future? In corporate reporting, the big news is all about reporting on non-financial information or NFI. This means reporting on more than the financial results to see a company's broader footprint, both on ecological and social issues. The problem here is too many competing standards and different metrics meaning there is no harmonized system that investors or the public can depend on to understand the full picture. The EU is trying to set up its own NFI standards. Meanwhile, on the global level, other NFI reporting standard setters are beginning to work together as well. How can we consolidate these different standards and then integrate them into financial reporting? To begin to answer these questions and untangle two very complicated debates that are key to the future of the profession, I'm very pleased to welcome... For the first time ever, two guests to the podcast. Miles Thompson and Mark Vassen are respectively the president and deputy president of Accountancy Europe. Miles is from the UK, and he is our go to expert on audit and has been leading our work in this area. Mark is from the Netherlands, and he is focused on making harmonized, integrated NFI standards for corporate reporting a reality. I'll do my best in this interview to refer to the interviewees by name to clear up any confusion on who is talking. So starting with Miles, can you please introduce yourself?
1: Thanks Andrea. For over 30 years I've been working as an auditor in the UK, mainly dealing with large listed entities, but um, my current role in the UK and globally is very much linked to improving audit quality. But as Andrea mentioned, I'm also very proud to say that I'm president of the Council of Europe. I've been involved on the board of Accounts of Europe for the last eight years, and also I, in the past, chaired the Audit and Assurance Policy Group, which has been dealing with many of the audit issues that we'll discuss today. And as part of that, I was also a represented Accounts of Europe on the IWSB Consultative Advisory Group.
0: Mark, can you introduce yourself as well?
2: Thank you, Andrea. And also I'm, I'm very pleased uh, to be in this podcast today. Uh, thank you for having me. I've uh, been in the profession for over 30 years, always also spend it on the audit side. So working with a lot also, like Miles, on many different and multinational clients, even though I'm Dutch, I spend a large part of my life in the UK, actually being based in London and having a close interaction with everything that had to do with the IASB and, uh, and IFRS. But I've also been involved with Europe for a very long time, nearly uh, 25 years. Is uh, I think it's the first time I actually got in touch with Accountancy Europe. And I've been active since I would say 2008, first as a member and later as a chair of the Financial Reporting Policy Group and most recently the Corporate Reporting Policy Group until the end of last year.
0: We see a lot of evolution in the realm of both corporate reporting and auditing, and I'm sure in your careers you've seen a lot of change happening. So can you tell me a little bit more on, um, maybe we'll start with Miles, can you tell me a little bit more about how you see audit evolve through your
1: career? I think audit needs to continually evolve. That's the most important thing to say. Looking back over the last 20 years, there's been enormous transformation in how we do our audits and what we do, and that's got to continue. And I'm just going to talk about sort of three areas that I think are very important in this. Firstly, technology. We need to use the data and analytics tools that we have. For example, We now can download all the accounting ledgers, accounting transactions of a company. We can analyze them in different ways. We can really use those tools to make sure we're covering the full population of transactions that an entity has done. And that's something that's very powerful now that we just couldn't do 10 years ago. I think also we need to be bold in external reporting. We need to say more. It's very interesting in the UK that investors say to us, we want you to say more in your audit report. We want to know more. What were the risks you were interested in? What worried you? And so I think that is very important. That is an area we need to develop. We need to be bold enough to be able to say on a bit of paper, this is what we did. This is what we were concerned about. And then the other thing, which I think is exciting, which will link into some things Mark's going to say is that there are now many more other areas that a company is putting out results or, or giving information to the market. And I think there's the role for the auditor to provide more assurance. This is separate from the audit. The audit's on about the financial statements, but there are opportunities to do much more additional
2: assurance. I fully agree with what Miles is saying, and especially when he talks about auditors having the need to be bolder in how we communicate. That's the same request that I hear from the investor community in in the Netherlands as well. In these uncertain times that we live in, I think transparency is key, and that has not been our strongest point in the past. So I think that's where we really can progress. And sometimes that will also mean that we will need to go to the edge of our comfort zone, but so be it. I think, I think we need to have that dialogue because I see the whole discussion that we're having today as a discussion about really the relevance of us as a profession, the relevance of the corporate reporting model. I mean, I know you put in
1: in the Netherlands
2: something that I think was
1: very good process of the audit partner talking at the general meeting about their audit and what they saw. And I think that is something we, we've we got to do more. And I'm sure that wasn't a key comfort zone for a lot of audit partners.
2: Yes. And so we have a number of parties in the Netherlands that are very active. And last year, most of those AGMs were digital. So there were a lot of questions being asked in advance of the meeting in writing by those investors and asking the auditor to really comment on it. For this year they have announced they really want our view for example on how COVID-19 has impacted on our audits and the whole environment. They just want to understand the uncertainties that the company is struggling with and the uncertainties that we are struggling with as auditors and how we are approaching these and how we're dealing with those. I think and that's a legitimate question.
0: I think there's also a shift in society generally about wanting to not necessarily be as polished and this approach to transparency is something that society finally feels ready for, is that it doesn't require you to always be the perfect iteration with the perfect environmental track record. This is something that's evolving and that people can see maybe there are places that you need to improve on and not going immediately into criticizing companies by seeing, I see you're wanting to work better but before we go too deeply into to audit i want to bring this back to corporate reporting and okay. the evolution that we're finding on that side as well mark
2: all right so and anyway, your question was so can, how, how is corporate reporting uh, evolving and the first words that came in my mind when i you know thought about this question was it's evolving very rapidly I think the momentum that the non-financial information reporting has gathered is just stunning. We have been dealing with sustainability reporting within the counties of Europe for a very long time. right? We had a sustainability group for maybe for the last few decades, but especially this coming to the fore is now moving things so fast ahead. And it's the, the big themes really is, first of all, we're moving from the short term to the longer term. And the other hand is from the pure financials to really long-term value creation. I think these are the two key words, I would say, right? So long-term and long-term value creation. Issues such as climate change obviously bring those, these longer terms into perspective, right? Because we just cannot afford not to deal with these issues. So very often because these issues are so long term, we don't actually tackle them now. I mean it's the same for politicians, right? These you don't get a lot of kudos for tackling issues, right? That may only be solved in five or six years' time, or the effects that will be solved. That's what is influencing the NFI agenda. So certainly the sustainability agenda, the Green Deal in Europe is a driving force. But I think it's broader than just climate, right? It's biodiversity. It's also the S of ESG that is really becoming important, right? We had discussions about racial inequality in the past year because of things happening in the U.S. We have a long-term debate about income inequalities, discussion about diversity. It's all these debates that are coming to the fore. And I think the the current generation of investors or stakeholders want to know how companies are performing on these. So it's no longer just government's problems, it's also companies' problems. And how are you dealing with these? And are you fit for the future?
0: It's very interesting because for a lot of people who aren't necessarily up to speed with the accountancy profession, they don't necessarily realize that... You can also report on, for example, your employee wage gap between men and women. You can report on all of these things. And these are structures that are within the company, which the traditional accountant role can expand to also incorporate. I think there's a lot of limitations on what people think accountants do. Meanwhile, yeah. what, what we are actually expanding yeah. to to be yeah. able to do now.
2: I think you see the investor shift is important in that as well. right? So in, in the past, there was only focus on every quarter results and just the financials, the short term. But now they see that these are things are the leading indicators, right? How companies are doing on all of these topics. And so they are asking more accountability of companies and they do that also through reporting. I think it, reporting is not the solution to all problems in the world, but definitely transparency is going to help and to hold companies accountable. And that's what is moving that this development.
1: I think as a profession and especially as auditors, we've got a key role in encouraging the companies to do this, to to report more, to say more. I mean, it's their accounts. We're auditing their accounts. It's, it's something in the UK that's happening now, especially with the climate change reporting. We're encouraging companies to make sure that they are talking about, as you say, the pay gap and the gender gap, all those important pieces that need to be able to tell the full story of what's happening in an entity. So I do think as auditors, we've got a key role in pushing that. It's sometimes difficult because often management or the directors will come back to, well, tell me where it says I've got to say that. <laughs> but we just say, well, actually, we think society thinks you've got to say that. <laughs> so we, we've got a key role in pushing on that as well.
2: As we're talking about it, it may sound like this is only for large companies with large footprint, but it's not true because it's also actually impacting on and medium enterprises because you see now that there's much talk about supply chains and Also, your responsibility as a company for your suppliers and uh, how they are doing on these metrics. right? So I think it's not just a discussion about large companies. It's a discussion about all companies. But
1: I think we've got to make sure, though, in that the SME sector or whatever you call it, that it is proportional.
2: Absolutely. It's
1: not overburdened bureaucracy that drives this. So we've got to make sure we're careful on that piece as well. But I agree with you, Mark. I mean, I think it's a lot, of, of course, the bigger companies rely on on the supply chain to get goods from smaller companies and how that flicks through the whole supply chain network is very important.
0: Accountancy Europe's recent work around audit it emphasizes a more holistic approach and so talking about supply chains does take this broader picture approach to how companies are, are working these days. What does a holistic approach entail?
1: Going concern and fraud have been our key areas in their being highlighted by a number of regulatory reviews that are going on. In the UK, you may be aware that we've got Bryden Review and we're just about to get our government a consultation on what more auditors should be doing, companies should be doing in a number of areas, but it will cover fraud and going concern. And it's it's important that we we just try and improve the whole financial reporting ecosystem in this area. And Council Europe have developed two papers and what we're trying to do here is explore options, you know, how can we move this ecosystem forward? What needs to be done? And if you think about the audit side, I mean, we need to do more. I mean, there is no doubt that auditors can do more in this area. For example, on fraud, it's important that we use much more forensic involvement in the audit. That will help us identify where are the fraud risk factors, where could there be issues? Where do management um, not have appropriate controls to detect or prevent fraud? So that is something that we need to keep moving on. And also, you know, when we look at going concern, we need to broaden the auditor's consideration of the factors that com- could impact on a company's going concern. We need to look at well, where are the external red flags? We look now at this pandemic, no one could have foreseen that this was going to happen but it's had a mammoth impact on a number of companies ability to keep going we just need to be wider in our thinking and think out of the box maybe of just what could happen and i think the other thing which i've talked about a bit earlier was just enhancing communication in these areas what are the fraud risks that we were worried about what have we done as in our audit to to mitigate those fraud risks Where are the pinch points in going concern for a company? Because companies do not fail because auditors failed. They failed because something was missing. Either the directors didn't pick up that there was this risk out there that could be a financial tsunami on them or something like that. So we just need to do more in that area of trying to identify what those risks could be. When we pick this up in the paper is that the auditors can't do this on their own. This is a joint effort, and there is more that management can do to improve their assessment of fraud and going concern risks. They need to see, do they have adequate controls in these areas? Have they got suitable controls to detect fraud? Have they got proper controls over their forecasting or going concern? And we'll get into debates, and we're getting to, to that debate in the UK about, well, do we need more controls reporting by companies. So akin to what the US are doing.
0: But if I see from what you're saying, there's a little bit of a push-pull kind of situation going on where there's more that can come from the profession side to move us into a stronger position. And there's also the regulatory side where it's kind of the two working together so that the regulation doesn't become so overwhelmingly difficult to work with, but it allows auditors the freedom to use the best tools available to them to get the information communicated as clearly as possible to management. Empowering this auditor role to keep an eye on how the company is functioning is really important to help businesses begin to change the way the business has run, to be more transparent, to address going concern, to address possible areas where fraud can emerge. And then this brings me back to Mark. Where we were talking about this sustainability, this non-financial information—the ESG, the environmental, the social, the governance aspects of companies that people want to know more about, especially investors—I mentioned a little bit about the background of of the EU um, being one standard setter and a global list of other standard setters. I know at Accountants Europe we've been part of this this debate. How can these initiatives fit together?
2: There's a lot happening uh, quite rapidly. We, as, as Accountants Europe, Already noted, I think back in 2018, when we did our first call to action, that we needed a streamlining of all the various requirements that companies have to meet with respect to reporting on their sustainability metrics. There are many benchmarks, many frameworks, all set up with really good intentions, but all only just tackling one little bit of the puzzle. And what you need is you need to have something that is streamlined, that's holistic. That's really the quest that everyone is going for at the moment
0: companies were often guilty of cherry picking the nfi standard that might make them look the best so for example if they were doing very well on their supply chain, but maybe not so well on labor, they would choose an NFI standard that would highlight what they were doing well on, rather than looking at the the whole picture. So I think I think it's really interesting to bring these different aspects together and to see, okay, so you're you're good on this, but have you addressed this? Which is, I think, some of yeah. where our work uh, begins to to step in.
2: No, uh, absolutely, Andreas. There is a, a possibility for a certain greenwash. But on the other hand, many companies want to do the right thing, but they just are not sure what what are the standards that meet the needs of all of our users, whether it's investors or broader stakeholder group. That's what we're looking at at the moment. So how do you put this all together? There are two things that I think for us are now tremendously relevant. One is the, the EU itself, is the Non-Financial Reporting Directive, and it will have in it proposals as to how Europe wants to go with setting its own standards. And in Europe, obviously, it has an own need because we have the Green Deal, we have the Sustainable Finance Action Plan. This is the priority of the Commission. So we have a number of public policy needs for which we need our standards. In the meantime, and that's the parallel, there's another development also, at a global level, everyone thinking, well, we need to work together. So there's a lot of abbreviations because we have GRI, it's a Global Reporting Initiative, the, uh, the SASB, which is the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, the IRC, the Integrated Reporting Framework. And then there are a few more that I could mention, but, but all of these that are working together now and saying, well, we could actually help uh, if we would to join forces with the organization that also sets the accounting standards. so the IFRS Foundation in order to provide for a global base set of standards that jurisdiction could then take and build on for their own needs. So it's not yet decided, but the IFRS Foundation that houses the IASB a consultation out uh, end of last year and an overwhelming majority of the responses say, yes, we believe that that would be a good place to build this global infrastructure and to also set sustainability standards at the global level. Now, they just announced that they're going to work towards issuing a roadmap in September and make further announcements at COP26, which is an event in, in Glasgow this year, follow up to the Paris Accords, and we will see more of that there. I think for us, the question in Europe that we're debating at the moment is to what extent are Europe's needs so specific that we need to just develop our own standards on our own, or to what extent we can actually also build on what is going to happen at a global level. I think that's the discussion that's going on at the moment and clearly everyone's looking, okay, well, how is this global coming together? Is this something that we can use? Accountancy Europe as a position and as a view that we are in favor of a building block approach where we say, okay, well, to the extent that we can actually build on global standards, let's do so. And probably the global standards will focus more on the capital markets perspective, right, and the capital market needs. And then we will have our own public policy needs in Europe because of the Green Deal and all that, that will necessitate that we actually top up whatever is global with some European additions. Now, that is discussion at the moment. And I think it just looks pretty hopeful that we get this all in place over the next year, which is absolutely necessary because it is really the urgency. I mean, the climate change won't wait for, for us to develop standards in 2026. We really need to have this in place relatively quickly.
1: And Mark, I think we've got to work all together on this. Yes, Europe have got their own requirements and need it quicker and think they can move quicker. But it would be a big shame if we had, in the end, three or four different uh, standards around the world. We should try and work together to get one base set that we can all build on. It would be very difficult for a multi national company that's got to deal with five or six different reporting, because he's got to do this in the US, this in the UK, this in Europe.
0: If we're talking about global concerns right now, COVID is the biggest issue that all countries are dealing with. Yes, we have a vaccine now, but how do we recover from what has happened? And what is the impact of COVID-19 on auditing
1: and corporate reporting? We've been so used to doing audits on a companies, premises, going to their warehouses, having meetings together, going to see their factories. And of course, now we're doing all this completely remotely. It is difficult. And who would ever thought that we would be doing inventory counts, using mobile phones, while we're sitting at our desk and somebody in the in the warehouse is going around um the warehouse and we say, Stop, please count that inventory there. I mean, these things we just never dreamt about a year ago. We are going to work differently going forward. And when I was talking about those virtual infringer counts, well, that is something actually we know works now. So why do you need to travel hundreds of miles to a warehouse or to somewhere to attend that when you could do it remotely. So I think there is going to be a big change here. But I think also, of course, there is enormous change
2: on business. If you you think about COVID-19 and corporate reporting, I think I I was dividing it in my mind into short-term and long-term again, right? And and short-term is for the immediate future. And maybe even already this reporting season, we see a lot of focus on Transparency. Clearly, there are companies that are quite heavily affected, the airlines or the travel industries that, that are really suffering. So, we have to do with demands, with we have to do with government support, we, and we have questions around just generally the continuity of companies, right? So, you're going concern assumption. It's about also having this discussion with clients about being transparent and tell the markets really how you're affected. Then, for the longer term, I think I'll come back to the points that Miles are making, and that's kind of the, the reality that is here to stay we are not going to go back to our old ways our companies have really seen what their vulnerabilities are in the supply chain and people will think again on how does the supply chain actually work and if there's an emergency do i need to be that far out and dependent on something far away or rather have to have that in country so there, there will be a lot of discussions on that and i think also the acceleration of the digital agenda so I think that is actually what is going to also impact on the corporate reporting. So more focus on risks on the longer term. Mark, it's interesting.
1: We've probably changed our practices more quickly in the last year in, in a number of areas than we ever done. You know, I mean, I think there was a move probably to more agile working, more working from home. That was going to come over the next, you know, five, ten years. It's happened in a year.
0: We were getting a little bit more to broader changes in the uh, profession and I know we struggle a lot of the time to be seen as the exciting new dream job for for young people who are just entering their their careers. What do you think we can do to make the accountancy profession seem more vibrant, seem more relevant and more appealing to young professionals?
2: If you look at what we have discussed in this podcast so far, right? I think a lot of the, the topics that we touch on, uh, they, they do resonate with young people, right? I think especially when you talk about the, the sustainability agenda, fraud and fraud detection. all these areas where we as a profession, we have a role to play. And I come at this really from, we are actually dealing with needs that society has, right? And we can therefore actually make a contribution to society. And I think that that is a, a message that does appeal to the the younger generation as well. I've been in the profession for over 30 years, Mars as well. I haven't actually seen change going at pace as we see it now, but I think the, the profession is fundamentally changing. I think we're really, you know, engaging in debates about what really matters. The big challenge that I see is about workload management. There's a lot of pressure on people within the profession to deliver a whole lot uh, and and work very hard. Well, mental health is important and make that a topic that you can actually discuss right and you know just generally your well-being and how you actually you know can do work differently maybe than we have traditionally always done it starts with being able to talk about it uh, but if, if we crack that i think uh, well, I'm, I'm very very optimistic about as you can tell about the future of depression.
1: Yeah. well i well no i i fully agree with you mark and i think i think we need to work harder also to demonstrate how important the profession is to actually to society and because I think that will resonate with with the young generation that as Mark was saying. And you know, if I look just as you know at being an auditor and you know the qualification, firstly the qualification is highly regarded all over the world. I often had staff coming to me saying, oh, I'm gonna leave auditing, I'm gonna go into tax or I'm gonna go consultancy. Or and I said, well one of the great thing about being an auditor is that you have direct access to the board of major companies. If you're doing a big consulting project um, in a multinational company, you very rarely, even if you're the top person in that consulting team working in there, very rarely do you get to sit in front of the board or the audit committee, these non-exec directors who are very senior—you you do not get that opportunity. As the auditor, you have that opportunity, and I think always that is a great thing to to sell to people that you know you're at the top table much more than you know many other uh, professions. And also, you get variety. I mean, I you know one week you can be auditing a retailer and uh, understanding how retailers work. The next, it's a pharmaceutical company, how they make vaccines very popular at the moment. And so, you know, you you know, I do think there is enormous um, breadth in the work we do and that we need to, you know, just work harder at demonstrating to the profession. There is one thing, though, that is the, you know, spanner in the works maybe, and we just got to work with our regulators to make sure that the profession doesn't become too overregulated, and that all we're doing
2: is to meet reg-
1: regulation standards and everything like that. So we because that will put off people.
0: Do we have time for a final statement?
2: I, I was just going to finish and saying, and uh, uh, yeah uh, Mars and I used the words, this will resonate with the young uh, professionals. I, I can say that I had, in the last two weeks, four young people talking to me about you know the whole sustainability area and really how how important they think this is and how they want to expand into this area. You know, being trained in financial accounting to really understand you know what is this going to mean and and how they can anticipate in this. So it's not just say that this will resonate. I I, I just see that it resonates with uh, with a lot of people.
1: Maybe I can just end with. In a way, I see that there is. It's more exciting to be in the profession at this time than any time over the last 10 years. Yes, there's a lot of issues, but people people are talking about the profession. I mean, we, Mark would know this. I mean, maybe it's not the right way to go about it, but I mean, it's never in the past has the profession been talked about in government as much as it is now, which actually shows how important it is. So I think that just we need to just be proud that, you know we need to make sure that we're proud that this is a very important profession to be in we need to make sure we keep it relevant and we keep trust
0: thanks for listening to because people count the accountancy europe podcast if you like what you hear please leave us a rating or review and subscribe we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting apps. Get in touch. We are at AccountancyEU on Twitter, and you can contact me at andrea at accountancyeurope.eu. This podcast is presented and edited by Andrea Campbell with support from Yulia Keys. Our music is Fearless First by Kevin MacLeod under a Creative Commons license. See you next time, because people count.